Hey everybody, welcome to episode three of Boy Meets Tech. In this episode, we speak with William Spencer. He is the host over at Bavuffster. It is a local New Jersey, New York uh, food podcast. Uh, I met William uh, about two years ago. Uh, We were able to connect at a local meetup. I was really interested in his podcast and his background, and we decided to link up uh, for this podcast. One, uh, because I wanted him to um, kind of interview me a little bit, uh, go into my background since we haven't really done that um, so far, and then two, so I can interview him and really learn about the nitty-gritty about starting a podcast, what goes into it, uh, what technical things am I missing, and and what really can make me a better podcast host moving forward. Uh, So without further ado, this is episode three, and we hope you enjoy. Okay, we are recording. Give me a second here. Give it some time. Okay, what is your full name? My name is Cameron Kenneth McCarthy. Okay, and uh, give me your background. Where are you from? What you're starting? What's your passion? Yeah, so I actually started out in the fashion industry. Um, was there for a while while I was finishing up college. Um, absolutely hated it, but I was the only reason I was in that industry was because my whole family was in it. Okay. And so I decided, you know, I love the food industry. I've worked in as a waiter, um, as a sous chef all throughout college, uh, but I knew I didn't want to work in the restaurant business because I just, I hated the hours um, and just kind of the little mini fires you had to put out every single day and it kind of took away from the food and, and so I was like, okay, let me find a different kind of avenue to take my my skill set. And I knew I was really good at sales. Okay. And so when I realized that you could actually sell food and mm-hmm. being more of the consumer packaged goods side, I kind of fell in love with it. So I ended up um, applying for about 100 jobs while I was still working at Nordstrom in the fashion industry. Okay. And I took the first one that gave me an opportunity. And that was actually with Scandia Seafood. So here in Secaucus, New Jersey. And I just took it and not really knowing anything about it. Um, I just became their business development manager. Um, Learned a ton about selling into restaurants, uh, sold all throughout the tri-state area, okay. managed a book of business about $10 million, and then uh, what I realized was starting out in the seafood industry is probably the worst industry you can start out in. You have to know about 3,000 different SKUs. You've got to know the difference between pinbone off salmon, skin on salmon, different yep. cuts of salmon, yep. uh, all the frozen seafood. It was just kind of insane. Yeah. And plus your hours are awful there too. So like you'd end your day at six, but chefs don't really put in their orders until midnight. Yep. So you can't go to sleep until all those orders are in. That's true. And yeah. then the orders ship around four to 5 a.m. So if there's any issues, you got to wake up at then and deal with them. Yep. So it was just like, I was kind of thrown in the deep end mm-hmm. of the pool with the food industry, yeah. but I absolutely kind of still loved it. And what I really loved about it was when we finally we we, uh, we launched a, um, a frozen seafood line into retail. Okay. And then I started realizing, okay, well, you don't actually have to sell into restaurants. You can sell into grocery stores. Love seeing the product on the shelf. Right. Slower sales cycle, a little bit better quality of life. Yeah. Um, and also just larger sales. So mm-hmm. you you know you could you know you could work on a hundred thousand dollar sale and not a hundred dollar sale. Right. Right. And it was just a little bit more big picture, and I, that's where I really liked it. Okay. Um, but that company, they made a few bad decisions financially, um, and it started to kind of wind down, and I could see the writing on the wall. Okay. And I wanted to learn more about how to succeed in the store. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to take more of a merchandising role and something that would actually put me on the street a little bit more. Okay. So I took a sales director position um, with Fine and Raw Chocolate, which was in Brooklyn. Okay. Um, one of the first bean to bar companies and chocolate um, chocolate companies in New York, mm-hmm. and really loved it. Uh, managed a much smaller book of business. Okay. But it put me in the stores, realizing how to make sure products launch successfully, how to merchandise. Yeah. Um, really, kind of seeing the product launch from a very consumer level. Okay. Um, but then 
obviously at that point I was realizing that there was so much growth in the natural food business. Okay. And if you're not working for a fast-paced natural food company, you're kind of sitting on the sidelines. Right. And so that's where I got my most recent job, where um, where I was the sales and marketing director for Delighted by Hummus. Okay. And so I think that's where I met. You yeah. had your meetup and you talked about it. Right. And that I thought was an interesting because. Meetup is an interesting culture itself. There's so many people that want to do something, whether it's a passion or for profession, yeah. and you pull that together. And I thought that was the thing that most resonated with me, and that's why I went out to your meetup there. Yeah, and that was, to be honest, that, that job gave me the clout and kind of that I needed in the industry to actually prove that I kind of always knew I was good at my job, right. but that that job gave me kind of the the confidence to be like, no, no, no I'm you know I'm very good at this job. I'm, I love this industry, right? And so I started that job. I worked there for a total of 14 months. And when I started, we were in about 3,500 stores. By the time I left, we were in over 7,000 stores. Wow, that's amazing. And so it was just a great team, a great brand, a great company. But um, it brought up a ton of issues in the industry. Um, okay. We we were kind of, when I started, we came off of Shark Tank. And oh, so, okay. yeah, we had a ton of publicity and a lot of customers asking for our product. And mm -hmm. so 3,500 stores sounds like a lot, but when you have a eight minute TV commercial in front of 5 million people, yeah. you're obviously not gonna be able to keep up with that demand. No, So we got not. flooded with emails. We got flooded with Instagram comments, Facebook comments about when are you gonna be in my area? Right. And all I could do as the sales director was say like, hey, please fill out a product request form and take it into your store. Okay. Or go talk to your deli manager. Okay. And I realized, one, that if consumers did that, mm -hmm we actually had success. I mean, we opened up, like one example is we opened up 170 Safeway stores because two people went into the store and asked for our product. Okay. Um, and they brought us in very quickly. Right. Um, but that's a huge ask of a customer. I mean, that's a lot to ask of a customer for to go into the store okay. and actually make a request. Okay. Um, but we were getting some traction with that. So that's kind of where I started thinking, like, is there a better way to do that? Can right. we get it streamlined? Okay. Um, and then I also realized that velocity is a very difficult thing in this industry, right? So it's very easy to get on the shelf. It's very hard to get off the shelf. And right. how do you, you know, velocity is basically how do you motivate people to get your buyer product? And so that's, you know, when you go to a grocery store, the demos. Okay. So let me ask you a question. Uh, what you just said is something very important that a lot of people have a misconception with. It's, yeah. It's easier to get on the shelf, but it's also harder to sell it off the shelf. Right. Right. right, so that's about brand awareness, and you're saying about like having demos, having people come out, hey, try our our, our hummus or our salsa or whatever. For sure, that's 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 really what creates the successful brands. Okay, and that's why you see these food brands raise a ton of money. Right. It's not really going to anything else other than marketing, and that's called few things, velocity and then trade spend. So trade spend is anything you spend to make sure that your products actually purchase off the shelf. Okay. So demos, trade shows, promotions, Okay. Um, anytime you see a product in a flyer, things like that, um, even Facebook ads, Instagram ads, to make sure right. that people are actually going into the store and purchasing the product. Okay. Um, so I kind of realized like, once we finally did get into these stores, mm -hmm. we were sending out broad emails to our to our um, email list. We were posting on social media, but we weren't actually targeting those people who had been requesting our product in these areas. Okay. And because of that, we had kind of struggled with sell through and velocity okay. at the store level in a few different regions. Um, and then lastly was just data, okay. um, which you know you hear data; it's a big buzzword, um, and people just like to throw it around. But it's super important, yeah. and it's something that's not accessible two smaller brands. Yeah, they call data the new oil. Yeah, I mean it's which is like crazy. Yeah, but it's so it's super important and you think about it it's 
it's just not accessible to smaller brands. And when we got to about, I'd say 4,000, 5,000 stores, the buyers started asking us for sales data. They wanted to see how we stacked up against the Sabras and the Tribe. Okay. And what they really are measuring in that data is how you're selling you know, per store, per week, per SKU okay. uh, versus the competitor. Okay. And what I realized was we were quoted about $12,000 a year for okay. that data. Mm-hmm. That There's no way a small your local jam company or a local salsa company can afford that. Okay. And therefore, they can't compete with the larger companies. Okay. So that kind of led those three issues that I saw, right? Not being able to request products, an inability to have high velocity without a lot of spend. Okay. And then and an inability to really have data for smaller brands okay. led me to my current position, which is you know kind of how we got in touch with today with uh, with Weestock, okay. and so that's that's kind of where I'm at now, and and um, you know now I'm leading Weestock, and um, what we do at Weestock is we're a product discovery platform. Okay. So we allow everyday consumers to discover products okay. and then request that those products be carried at their local retailer. All right. And then when a product hits the shelf, we then notify those customers that the product's available at the store level. Okay. So we call it crowd stocking. Crowd stocking, okay. So that's a new word or did you guys make it up or I've Googled it, it quite a bit. I'm pretty sure that we're okay. the ones that came up with it. You heard it. But um, you know, crowdsourcing, crowdfunding, it's all you know, it's kind of built in and ingrained in our culture now. Okay. And so, you know, Kickstarter 10 years ago kind of coined crowdfunding and that really helps your business get started. Yep. Where we crowd stocking help is we help your business in that next step, right? We help you with your go-to-market strategy. Okay. We help you mobilize your customers in a new sales efforts. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's been, we've had a lot of great success. I mean, we launched last week and uh, we've got over a hundred brands on the platform. Yeah. You were in, um, is it called fast money, slow money? We yeah, did a, we did a slow money pitch. I actually signed up to go, and yeah. then it was the night uh, I went to B&H and did this whole uh, marketing thing. Uh, they had a class, and then I was like, I have to go run. It's like I have to come back. And I never went, went to go out to, to see it, yeah. to hear you speak. But uh, that's a pretty interesting uh, like little forum. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of forums and kind of uh, meetups and, and events yeah. for food and tech entrepreneurs. What, you know, what I'm learning a lot now is... You know how different the tech community is and the food community, um, and tech is kind of, you know, like every other industry but on steroids. Mm-hmm. And so how we got, I think, you know, connected again was we actually, you know, I kind of felt like I was drowning a little bit, and you know, I was listening to tech uh, podcasts. I was obviously reading everything I could, right? Um, and but even like basic stuff like what was what's a product manager do, or you know, just all the little terminology around UI, UX design, things like that. Right, right. I mean, I just was like, it was a steep learning curve because I had never done it before. Right. So um, you know, I started this podcast on the side. Uh, uh, called Boy Meets Tech, where it's kind of like, okay, how does a non-tech person get into the tech side of yeah, it okay. and not drown, right? And, okay. and kind of the basics of it and a blueprint. Um, so that's been really exciting too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's it's just it's been fun to get to this point, and now we're just it's all focused on growing this this um, this new business that we have. Cool, cool. So um, it's kind of this is like a conversation. This is a different podcast that I've done. We're kind of sharing the. For sure. I'm going to give you the audio file. You're going to put it out on uh, Anchor, which yeah. I'm kind of excited because I don't think I've ever been on Anchor. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so uh, a little bit about my background. Yeah, that'd uh, be great. So uh, well, I, I'd love to chime in here really quick. Go ahead. The reason why I I actually reached out to Will first was because, um, like I wanted to do a podcast on just like the basics of podcasting, right? right? Like 
I was, you know, spending my money on Amazon for finding new mics and uh, realizing like, okay, well, who, what, what platform do I actually launch the, the, yeah. the podcast on? Um, how do I do the cover art for the podcast? Yeah. Like, all these basic things. And then I remember running into Will, uh, one of our meetups that obviously I held, yeah. and just thought like, okay, let's kind of tap into his brain and see, okay, what's um, what's the best way just to get started on a podcast if I wanted to like in one week? And, yeah. and what's like the basics to really know? So that's kind of how we got to this point of, of really having this kind of cross podcast. Yeah, cross podcast. There's yeah. a new one right there. <laughs> Um, I'm glad you reached out to me. This is actually my first podcast that I've done with someone who's like been an open interview, which actually I feel pretty excited about. Uh, I got started roughly uh, a year ago, a little bit longer, a year and a half, like uh, a year in September. There was a blogger meetup in Manhattan, and they talked about uh, food, and it's more like food blogging. But they talked about video and how video was the next thing and blogs were going to be passe. And I remember sitting there saying, no one's mentioned anything about a podcast. So I said, that's what I should do. I should just do a podcast about food and the food industry. And my background is I was a corporate chef for nine years. Okay. I worked at a a helicopter plant in Connecticut. We fed 5,000 people a day, which is sickening. Yeah. No, I have, like, that's that's who I sold to at Scandia was all the, was all, like, the compass and Acosta chefs and all that. Yeah. So that's that's definitely, like, a huge, I feel like that's an unappreciated part of the food business, right? Because you have to constantly dealing with so many more customers than the daily chef does. Yeah, definitely. And you have much more restricted budgets, things like that. Uh, actually, though, in, when I worked in the 90s, uh, it was post-Cold War, pre-9-11. Yeah. And they had uh, an amazing budget. I mean, it, uh, I mean I'll drop the name. It's a Korsky aircraft. They yeah. helicopters. But they had they gave us a really good budget. Oh, that's great. Like, we could technically sell the steak twice. It, like, and yeah. I, uh, that's a different story for another That's another pretty podcast. rare in, the, in, in that industry. Yeah. They would subsidize us, and then they would buy the steak, <laughs> and then they'd buy it for an event. Okay. So we'd overbuy Okay. So here you have strip steak, and yeah. you'd have, you'd need, I mean, like 500, I think we'd go through. We'd buy like 1,500. They'd pay for 1,500. Right. And then we'd sell it to the workers. <laughs> so we got paid twice. But that's like, even just thinking about like the, the task of making 500 or 1,500 steaks oh at the same temperature or whatever. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like catering chefs on steroids. No, it totally is. So that was my food background, and uh, then I went to uh, one of the first internet grocery stores pre-Amazon. Okay. There's only three in the nation. That's 1998 to 1999. Uh, Actually, 99 to 2000. Uh, They were called shoplink.com. They were out of Boston, Mass. There was only Peapod and another one out of Boston called Streamline. Um, When the the dot-com bubble broke, that was it. It was like they had no money. Right. So the only one that lived was uh, Peapod, yeah, and they got bu- bought out by Dutch Ahold, which yeah. is stop and shop. Yeah, so. that's kind of. I mean, those were some of the first companies that were kind of figuring out. Okay, how do we take the grocery shopping experience out of the grocery store? Right, right. And that's kind of where tech and food has been intertwined these last few years, which I think is not a great conversation, right? Because there's something very tactile and fun, and, and, and being able to see the food and having it palpable in front of you right. um, that makes it emotional. So. With WeSock, I mean, what we're trying to do is, like, how do we change that conversation right. from, like, taking tech out of the, like, taking the whole experience out of the, the retail experience okay. to, like, let's put more retail, let's put more tech into the retail experience. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know if you read, but, like, Kroger's is introducing, like, tech shelves. So, like, they'll be able to change things, like, in the store and stuff like that. Yeah, I know that uh, when I worked 
for uh, it was called Edwards back in the day, but they really balked at electronical tags on, yeah. on the shelf. That was like uh, some union guys said, "Look, you're you're taking a job." Right. And now we've gone to like now that was like middle like middle nineties. Now we're where you are. Yeah. Tech is changing everything at the grocery store even more. Right. I mean, you're gonna be able to go to the grocery store, and it's gonna be it's gonna tell say your name. Yep. And then it's gonna tell you which direction to go into for the ingredients that sync to your phone. Yeah. And then it's also going to give you recipes and, and basically change the prices automatically. I mean, okay. I think it's going to be a cool experience. But, I mean, I'm interested to hear more about kind of how it was working with those early on companies. I mean, it must have been fascinating, especially to see the first tech bubble kind of break. Uh, where were you when the dot-coms broke? I mean, I was still in school. Yeah. 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 The, the truth is the feeling of going from cooking all day to going to a computer job. And, and basically, they hired me. I wanted out of the cafeteria system so bad that I took a job as a deli slicer Yeah, to slice deli. Right. And I never sliced a cold cut because he needed people to go out. I was like, I was employee hire number like eight or nine. Yeah. And they uh, hired me to go out and teach people how to use a shopping cart. Ha. So I would uh, get in a rental car. They gave me a Nextel phone and I drove to people's houses in Fairfield County, Connecticut, which is like in Westchester too, but it's like Richie Rich. Right. And this is dialogue. Yeah. So it would teach people, this is what shopping is in the future. You Very go. It, so I'm just like, it's surreal. So you're saying like, oh my God, it's going to tell you. Now we have Siri, you know, hey, uh, yeah. or Alexa, put this on my shopping cart. Right. And in the beginning, I taught people, this is what a shopping cart does, and this is how you add it, and this is your subtotal. That's like a, that's a whole nother level of like customer acquisition yeah. and like the whole learning curve. And that's, yeah. I mean, that, that's stuff we're dealing with, but it's like not even on that level. No. And that's, that's kind of crazy that, uh, but it also gives you an appreciation and a better understanding of how everything works internally. Yeah, totally. And, and the thing is by seeing it in the beginning, now I see it. It's so like, it's so commonplace. No one right. even blocks at it. Yeah. Cause you understand the genesis of it and how it kind of became yeah, what totally. it is. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's all. I mean, uh, that's something I wish. Like now, I, mean, I spent some like five years. I feel like wasting my time in like fashion, and I wish I was working like at a grocery store, right? Uh, or things like that, where it's like I kind of would have a better understanding. It would have gave me like a little bit of a leg up. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's that's for sure. I, I understand that. Yeah. The um the greatest takeaway in life uh, for me is experiencing a bunch of jobs. Yeah. Know, like uh, cooking for years and then uh, parallel I did the grocery store I worked in a butcher shop with a bunch of butchers that were like old Italians and I learned everything and then I pissed the head butcher off yeah who I won't mention his name Mark Sinker <laughs> who's a real prick but okay but he uh, he he exiled me to the fish department yeah so when you talk about seafood yeah I've already worked as a fishmonger right so it's, I've had that yeah, experience. It's the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's kind of close. Yeah. You really are. Yeah. Well, because it's such a, it's an industry where it's a, first of all, it's a very old white man industry yeah. and it's very much like everyone's trying to trick people. Yeah. Um, so it was, it, for me now being in the natural food space where everyone's so transparent yeah. and really your brand is your messaging and yeah. it's really being truthful. Mm -hmm. It's a nice kind of refresher to what it is. But so after... After you kind of went through that bubble, then what was your next move after that? Uh, okay, so I went and did something that was even worse than fish. Okay. Uh, I went and did health insurance. Okay. So, well, you really uh, went no, the whole I'm, scope. I, uh, I went 
there was a, after I left, uh, after I got laid off, I went to a company, a Fortune 100 company, and did customer service, which is Pitybos, and it was the worst company ever. But uh, I left them after two years. Then I went to an internet uh, dry cleaner. Okay. So there was technology there, like you could see where your clothes were because we never cleaned them promise. And they lasted a couple of years. You know, it seems like this the technology and then it breaks. Right. And then I went into health insurance, okay. which was the safe bet because the girlfriend at the time worked there and I got a job. And I worked there six and a half years. But uh, never throughout this process, you kind of lost touch with food or were you no, always I, interested? During that six and a half years, I totally was non-food. Yeah. Non-food. I basically just eat, slept, and uh, was health insurance. Because back then it was kind of exciting. I, it sounds ridiculous now because we talk about Obamacare, but I know a lot about it, the industry. Yeah. So when I hear about it, I, I can I can speak with authority. Right. But then our company sold out. Okay. And then they sold they sold the members and not us. So basically, there I am, 2010, out of a job. Okay. But two years of unemployment and I had six months salary. Okay. So I basically learned everything I could. I okay. transitioned myself. Uh, I did look for work, but uh, back then. Right. Like LinkedIn, people are like, be on LinkedIn. And yeah. I like, I get LinkedIn and like, so there's no one here jumping at my job. Like, yeah. Um, I worked, and then I kind of did film. Okay. Uh, my first passion was video. And uh, I met a good group of guys in Connecticut. We did uh, a meetup about film. And uh, they asked, we all got together at a coffee shop. And okay. We had this big round table about, what do you want to do? And I just said, I want to take what MTV did, but on the local level and just smash it together. Yeah. And, uh, that's when uh, our first project, what was called Local Rock Gods, we went and filmed local bands and gave them coverage, uh, really clean video with audio, and then a wraparound journalistic piece like MTV did. We did like 86 bands in one year. That's super interesting. Yeah. So you see the evolution like, oh my God, I, everything is multimedia. Yeah. Even back then, like in 07, 08, that was like, it was still multimedia. Right. And... Uh, it lasted for a while. We did a year, but I couldn't figure out how to make money. And then, so how did this kind of turn into, where, where did you first find podcasting? Uh, my first podcast, I can't tell you the truth, I think my first podcast was like NPR. Okay. Listening. And uh, I find it, when I used to be on the road for Shoplink, I would listen to uh, talk radio. Okay. And mostly like about sports or goofy stuff. But I found out that you could listen to a podcast in your car that replaced like radio right and radio is so different now well so you can find niche things like that really yeah. interest you right yeah. so it's like my podcasts are all about like food business and tech and startups yeah. and it's like for you to find a radio station about that or kind of like that it's very difficult no it's very very yeah. it's a small you're like in a niche in a niche for sure yeah uh who's your first uh podcast you listen to Podcast listen. Yeah, which what which first podcast um, you listen? You know to? what? Like I love, like I have such respect for like everything Bevnet does. So mm -hmm. like I, I listen to the Bevnet guys and all that like okay. religiously. Um, also, this week in startups, uh, which is a great yeah, podcast. That's a good one, yeah. Uh, but those are like kind of my two like basic yeah. ones, and then obviously like NPR with like how I built this, which yeah. you know I, the long form interview ones are very difficult mm -hmm. sometimes because you don't get like the crux of like all like the nooks and crannies right. of what they had to go through. Right, right. But it's still you know very interesting. Right. Um, right. But yeah, those those really are my one. I mean, it's <laughs> it's funny because just food and tech and food and tech, and that's kind of you know all I listen to. Um, but you I like. Just, a uh, the food part, like tech, I get. Yeah. Tech is like, hey, this is what you need to build a team and right. a UX and blah blah blah. But food, do you listen to food stories or is it just like, hey, I'm making the best 
you know, bacon jam in a jar. And no, it's more about like how people built their businesses, yeah. which gets a little repetitive, right? Because if you know how five yeah. food businesses grew, they're not going to be too much different from each nope. other. Um, but at the same time, when you learn, listen to these stories and, and then you go to an Expo West or you go to a fancy food show yeah. and then you see those founders, you're able to strike up a conversation, you're able yeah, to totally. understand them a little bit better. Um, and, you know, I built a good layer of connections in the industry. So it's yeah. always kind of cool to just kind of when I work with somebody and then I see them on a podcast. Right. And I'm like, oh, I already know their story or yeah. something like that. It's, it's super cool. But for me, you know. I, I'm just like the way I take in information is so much better through listening than mm -hmm. reading. So for me, it's like it's an educational thing. Okay. Um, but yeah, the the food part of it, it's it's not more about like recipes and things like that. It's more about like how do you, um, how did this idea come together yeah. and how did it really launch out into the market? Okay. Um, but if we're, you know, it's funny for me because it's like even. Um, you know, I'm a good salesperson and I'm like a, but I'm not over the top. And mm -hmm. so I, like, I always thought to myself, like I'd want to do a podcast, but I always thought like, okay, well, I'm, I've got to, if I do it, I got to be a little bit more over the top than I usually am. Um, but then I started listening to some podcasters who were just kind of like very comfortable with themselves. Yeah. Um, kind of very simplified, scaled down um, approach. And right, I right. kind of thought, okay, well, maybe I can do this. And so when I started WeStock, I just got so frustrated with the, the fact that there weren't any really options out there for basics of tech. And it's like, even for basics of food, people think like you should know already this and there's a baseline amount of information that you should yeah. have. The assumption rule. Right. And so for me, it was like, all right, well, let's kind of just take it as a kid's, as like a very kid's approach to it. And even one of the questions I asked, like on the pre-interview questionnaire is like, explain what you do as if a kid was asking you. Okay. Because <laughs> it's like, for me, that's probably the best way for me to find out what you're doing as well. Right. But... You know, what I would love to know is just like for you and podcasting, I mean, how did you like we're even we're talking on like these very high tech mics. Right. You've got a great setup. How, what went into just like the the nuts and bolts of creating a podcast to, to the point where you got really comfortable with the wow. with the technical side of it that you were working with? Uh, I became very tech, uh, you know, relaxed or chilled around tech back in the video days. OK, so. A podcast is really just a video minus yeah. the visual. And uh, once you take the visual part out, like you don't, I don't worry about framing yeah. or jumping cuts. Audio is very smooth. Right. And uh, I learned quickly from some of the best in the business, journalists, new shooters, how to uh, edit the audio part. And okay. both, but if you're just talking about drill down just the audio, like when is it that when you're editing uh, my one of my mentors Craig Shepard who's an amazing human great right. guy taught me you should wait when you're listening for a breath okay so and I'm like well, what does that mean he goes because you really want to like if I ask you a question then I let it go and then you talk but let's say I talk and then you talk if you wait and give it a breath you now have uh, a perfect your ear hears it, but you also now you can have a transition in your ear. Okay, to that's story. a crucial. So you're not like on top of each, because maybe you're having this really uh, awesome dialogue and you're going back right. and back. You need, sometimes you need a breath or two breaths. No, that's a great tidbit too for me because like I tend to talk super fast. Right. And I even like um, so when I have my sales calls and stuff, I have okay. like this this sheet of like okay, make sure you go through all these points. Yeah. And on the top in Sharpie it says talk slow. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like because it's just like, uh, but that's a really good part not only just for the podcasting but just like in everyday life to yeah. just to kind of calm down, make sure you're listening to what the other person is saying, mm -hmm. and really understanding all of that. Hang on for a second. 
Jamie, you want to come sit over here? Here's your coat. Oh, thank you. Yeah. We were pausing because my wife is. My wife is very super supportive. So. <laughs> That's the most important thing when you start a company. Your spouse has to be like, yeah. they have to be like 100% with you <laughs> and 100% supportive, but you also have to listen to them. Yeah, I mean, the the, re the only reason I started WeSock was I've had about 20 ideas for companies, yeah. and it was the first idea my wife said, that's not a stupid idea. Yeah, yeah. No, so <laughs> that was the main reason why I started no. the company. That, that, we have great women. That's Yeah. Um, so basically, uh, back to the point was, what are the things that I felt comfortable with? Once you start uh, realizing that you can control the speed, yeah. and the sound, and inflection, then you need to know how to cultivate it and edit it. So either you have to pick a style, you're either super, super editing, like, oh my god, I'm going to take every um, and everyone's got what I call an audio tell. All right, and one of my bad, and I hate it, is I tick. Yeah. Put my mouth, okay? And and you'll find that. And it annoys me when other people do it, because I do it. Right. So there I am slicing every little tick out. Yeah. And or you say, screw it. I'm just going to go and, and just slice out the most uh, ticks that are uh, simple visible. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that's where, like, developing um, an editing audio style. Okay. Is very key. And then, how did you? What platforms did you start releasing the podcast on, or what do you release the podcast on now? Well, when I first did it, I actually had a podcasting partner, Kate. Okay. And um, she's not with me anymore. We kind of, you know, things never last. Right. But uh, we did a lot of research together. Okay. And she was a very analytical person. And she worked for uh, Macy's, and they're analytical. So she understood like uh, how to get things done through like iTunes. Uh, the cover art. I mean, I, I did a lot of that. We kind of like split up the, the divvy. Up. So kind of like a producer almost. Uh, yeah, she out. totally. She is a producer. She yeah. wrote. She wrote all the articles. Hang on, let's get everyone the chair draggers. <laughs> see, this is see this is where like if you're doing like a podcast, right? This is where you're like, okay, so um, Chinese filmmakers like the old kung fu guys yeah. in Hong Kong, they would do something called edit in the camera. <laughs> so they really because film back then was this big long film yeah so they maximized all the shortest pieces they could because of cost so they figured out ways to edit in the camera without editing later Interesting. So, so this is kind of like what we're doing here you're, you're okay, give it a break especially if you're live like we're at a coffee shop yeah and that's if you couldn't way. tell by the coffee grounds in the back <laughs> yeah but it's so so if you're you can't always get it in a studio and that's the, the, the challenge for me was this I didn't want to have a, the other way to go back is the style, right? You asked me, like feeling comfortable getting editing, uh, getting yourself to how do you uh, get on to a podcast uh, distribution network, like iTunes right. or uh, SoundCloud or I think Bean Vault is another one or okay. you're on the, uh, Anchor. Anchor, right? Yeah. So that's another. Right. So how do you get there? What's, you know, what do they expect from you? Yeah. Oh, so like what I'm learning a lot more is that iTunes is less important, right? Because there's more, it's better almost to dominate a smaller one yeah, than okay. kind of release the bigger one. Okay. That's a good, interesting um, But I know like that's kind of your expertise in it or for you, it's just about releasing it wherever you can and seeing. I put it everywhere I could. Yeah. And that's the one thing Kate and I, we sat down and said, where can we get it? At the time, iTunes was like television, right? Like you, you, right. you were mainstream, you 
missing. But uh, iTunes was the big boy. Yeah. But now, listening to you, it sounds like you want to play in the small, like, minor leagues. <laughs> it's comical, but, <laughs> but this is how it works. But uh, you want to play in the small, like, the small field to get to the big, but they're just as important. Yeah. Like, the, all the sub-channels. Yeah, I mean, you look at, I mean, I think Spotify just bought Anchor last week. They did. So, I think they're going to start getting into, they bought uh, Gimlet Media. Yeah, that's right. So, um, but yeah, I think they're getting into kind of that space. So, I think it's a good time. I think that you have to kind of have a really clear plan of what you want to go into doing your podcast with. Because yeah. I think, obviously, so many people start it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people have uh, don't kind of have confirmation bias, right? They they talk to their loved ones, and their loved ones say, like, yeah, that's a great idea. You should yeah. definitely start that. Yeah. I think it's about making sure that you're providing value to that end person who's yeah. actually listening. Yeah. So that's why I want to make sure, like, when we're doing ours, like, to make sure, like, we're continuing to drive home that image of, like, hey, are you interested in the tech business, but you have no right. clue what you're doing in it? Right. Hopefully, like, you can listen to a few episodes of us and kind of get a little bit better idea of what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and I think I, my, my kind of last question would be in terms of um, what what goes into it before you do the podcast, right? Are you researching constantly? Are you, like, show notes, even, like, pre and post the actual episode? Yeah. What, what kind of goes into that process? Uh, when I work with Kate... She was good at that. Yeah. She would do all the research. Yeah. She would come up with these questions. Like uh, she asked uh, Pat LaFrieda, the Butcher to the Stars, who's in North Bergen and I live in Jersey City Heights. He's like, I used to work right by his place. Yeah. yeah. So we're like neighbors and I hounded them forever. I'm good at that. Yeah. Like everyone's got a, a special skill. Yeah. I can make a connection. If I wanted to meet uh, President Obama, I would do that. That's I, I could actually just really it. funny. Yeah, that's what my dad always says about me. Yeah. <laughs> He's always like, if Cameron wants to get in contact with someone, he'll get in contact. Right. Which right, is right. kind of like what you have. To is like as a salesperson, you can't you can't be embarrassed about anything. Nope. It's like, what's the worst thing? You have like, no now. Right. Exactly. And it's you'll like, have no if they say no. Right. It's like going out. It's like if you talk to like thirty girls, like maybe one person will get back to you. Yo, that's the analogy. <laughs> I can't use it because a uh, PC world, but yeah, <laughs> but that's the truth. Uh, so to answer your question, uh, I had the drive to find out I want to talk to so many people, and she had the skill set to really create awesome questions and that were really good. And she did a lot of the research. Okay. So that's what she brought to the table. And then, you know, we parted our ways. Everything is nothing apart. She really wanted to be a digital nomad, living like Peru. And she would go travel. Right. So it's hard to do a face-to-face podcast with someone. And, and the truth is, her skill set was she's not a people person. So we try to have these like these pre-conversations before the podcast and talk about the podcast. Yeah. Um, so now that she's not here, I basically do some research. Uh, I do it differently than she did. She did a lot of reading, but I do, like, I'll listen to a lot of, like, podcasts about people or video. I try to, okay. or I'll talk to them or I'll go meet them first. Yeah. I mean, most of my conversations are old school. I have to find out something from you. From you, right? That's well, why I think it's good that you do your podcast interviews like in person. Like, yeah. it may make it so you do less of yeah. them, but at least like the flow of it's a little bit better. I mean, yeah. I just did one on Friday, and it was on um, it was online. It was just very difficult to like actually connect with them. Okay, it turned out great, and she did an amazing job. But I think I definitely see the benefit in doing it kind of you know live. Yep. All right, do me a favor. When the helicopter passes over here in a minute, repeat what you said. There goes the You could just see the, the, oh, yeah. the shadow of it. <laughs> Go ahead. Say it again, what you said. No, I was just saying, like, we, 
I, I definitely see the benefit of doing it live. Yeah. One, because it's like kind of funny that we have all this stuff happening around us. Yep. It makes it a little bit more real life. It's chaos. Um, two, it's, you know, you're actually able to have a better rapport and speed with that person. Yep. And you don't feel like you're trying to like hit all of your questions. True. Um, it's a little bit more of um, true, true. You know, a nice thing. So post-show then, do you do show notes? Do you do things like that? Um, what I do is I write up the written part. SEO. You know, okay. basically, hey, this is exactly what description, what you're getting. Oh, yeah. Then I send it to my friend Jimmy, who's like my best friend. Because I write like a serial killer, okay? I really do. I, my wife will correct me. Or, um, that's not my gift. Right. But I have a, a, like a team. So I send it to Jimmy. And Jimmy makes me sound awesome. Yeah. It's really his voice written, my words. And then I put it out. Uh, then I upload it. I okay. upload it to SoundCloud. That's who I pay my hosting to. Like right. you understand, like Anchor is a host. Right. But they also have distribution. Correct. Host and bandwidth. Uh, that's SoundCloud for me. But then I then I put uh, I syndicate it out like iTunes. I share the the RSS feed, and that's it. But that's where my my base is. SoundCloud. Then I link it back to my website, the Bavuster website, and then I put it out to everyone. Great. Yeah, I mean that's 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 something we're kind of learning about that whole process. Right. And I'm trying to think of do we want to be a podcast that makes sure that we edit everything perfectly and yep. it's a really nice, you know, yep. well format and we're doing once or twice every month. Yeah. Or are we just gonna Yeah, you know, I've seen some other really successful podcasts of like let's just release a ton of content. Yep. Let's let's make sure the listener can kind of make sure that I'm getting better, right? Yeah. And they see my journey. That's, I, I love that. See, yeah. I like that. Like, yeah. I'm always going to fail, but right. I'm going to get better. It's like the Gary Vee thing of like documenting over posting, right? Yeah. Like you want to make sure that you're documenting everything and it kind of, we're lifting the curtain to, to the, yeah. to the end listener. Um, so I think we're probably going to skew more towards the latter of like, let's put out a bunch of content. Right. Let's not highly edit it. Um, but yeah. let's make sure that we're actually addressing an issue. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's all of that information is definitely helpful. Yeah, no, and I think that's, once you pick a style, like, yeah. I think the tech part, like, how do I get there from here? I use an app, I use my phone, like, if you can, because you, you can't see the table we're at, yeah. but I've got a recorder, two mics, two mic stands, yeah. two cup of coffees, there's pens and pencils, that's the things that make this podcast work on the tech. Right. Uh, once you figure out where to put it, right? That, that's it. like, hey, tech, grab content, curate it, put it, that's or where you deploy it. That's, yeah. that's like the basics. And I think that's what you have to learn. Because once you do that, then you're out. You're live. Then you right. have to figure out how to make it better. And then we better. can just kind of focus on the content and yeah. the, the guests and everything yeah. like that. Yeah. Right. People would say that you should uh, podcast with people you know friends and family because yeah. it builds rapport. Even, yep. Yeah. Well, or it builds kind of flow, right? You're, you're talking, then you, like, 50% of the battle that I always find bad with podcasts is there's one dominant person that always talks, and the other one, so it has to have a good flow. That's a conversation. Yeah. Right, and that's where I, I want to strive every podcast is, uh, I always encourage the people that I, to ask me questions, so when you're like, hey, let's do it, and we can blend it together, I was like, that's perfect for me. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's the way it wants to come, you want it to come off. That's why, you know, we were talking before about, like, um, like long form interviews. I mean, it, you kind of get lost because there's just one person right. doing the questioning. Um, you know, that's why the God of interviews is Howard Stern. I mean, it's like, it's the best interviewer of all yeah, time yeah. because it's, he's actually done his research. People are constantly yeah. chiming in on stuff. And so like, um, 
I just view that like that was my education, right? Ten years of listening to Howard Stern interviews. You'll probably like be okay at asking questions. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think all of this is super helpful. Um, hopefully, some of the listeners are able to kind of gain who are thinking about starting a podcast are able yeah. to also kind of uh, pull some key stuff, and then hopefully it fits in line with you know kind of your podcast about you know finding about the food industry. Right. Um, ba- basically, my the reason I started Bovuster was. Uh, after being let go from corporate America, yeah. there's two major points in your life. For you have a job, you feel successful, and at some point they let you go, and either you have to either reinvent yourself, which is you know key, or you have to go back into the grinder of corporate America. Yeah, and I see time and time again that either you decide to leave corporate America or they're done with you. Right. So I would rather say, hey. Here's encouraging people that have left their job to build a food brand, because food is one of the most easiest things to do. Yeah, and I mean that's that's what we're learning about. We're building a culture at WeStock and, yep. and having a startup, and we're you know even though it's two of us right now, and mm-hmm. we and it's me and my co-founder, and we have also people that we employ on the side and right. part-time workers, but we're also with them. We're saying okay, well let's make sure that we bring on the right people. Right. Let's make sure that we they understand the culture that we want to have. Yep. And if we do it when it's just me and him, mm-hmm. when we have you know, 30, 40 employees in the near future, yeah. God willing, yeah. um, we'll actually have a culture that we, we, we've actually installed from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's super important. I think that you're going in with the right uh, mentality of building a business. It's two people. They're the founders. They're, they're people that are passionate because they're all right. vested. Yeah, and I think we're solving a, solving a problem. Um, and that's a whole other you know podcast. Yeah. I think we'll probably do is like how to find a co-founder. Yeah, I mean uh, that's it is, that's a great very that's a good one. Yeah, important. Yeah. Do you um do you, how many episodes do you think you want to do in a year? I know um, you were saying so we're doing like well I want to at least do one a week. Okay. So that's a pretty big. Uh, yeah, I mean, and it's the thing is, is you know we're not hiding it either. I mean, we no. wanted to help WeStock, right? So right, right. it's like we want people to find WeStock through the podcast and vice okay. versa. Um, and for us. You know, we just ran a Facebook campaign, um, paid advertising, and and then see how many downloads we got. And for me, I'd rather just do content marketing, right? Do do videos, do podcasts, articulate uh, and really educate people on what the issue is that we're trying to solve. Okay. And let's make sure we resonate with the people early on, our early adopters, and get a really good crowd behind our product. Okay. Um, And then hopefully word of mouth will take over from there. Uh, you know, for us, there's not, you know, we don't have a ton of pressure We're, you know, we're both, you know, young with It's like, if it fails, it fails. Yeah. But like for us, it's like, we want to make sure that we grow it the right way. We right. want to make sure that we have the right people downloading the app that are interested in the food and beverage industry mm-hmm. that are passionate about it. And that really want to see and support these great brands that we have on the app. Mm. Um, and so that's really what it's more about for us. It's about the quality of downloads and not really the quantity. Okay. Um, and so that's where it goes back to like. The, the podcast helps the brands and, and yeah. so on and so forth. So it's, I think uh, what Gary Vee always said is like you should do everything. Yeah. Just do everything. And, and uh, I love Gary Vee and he actually follows me on Instagram. I hounded him when he only had 30,000 people <laughs> at 4.30 in the morning every day. Gary Vee followed me and that's in a picture. Finally, he followed me. There you go. So, and now like I don't get that dollar, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that what the overall is you should just put your story everywhere because For eventually sure. somebody will see it and they'll say, "Oh, it's a good idea." Or I've heard about this. Uh, now he's on CNBC talking about Yeah, and the product. great brands are storytellers. I mean, yeah. like and so us as we stock, we want to be a storyteller. But 
but right. not for us. More, we want to be an amplifier for the brands that are right. on our podcast, that are on on our podcast, on our uh, platform. Right. And so for us, is if we can just educate people about like how great these brands are and why they need to be supported and why they need to grow. Okay. Um, we'll be kind of serving our mission, I think. Okay. And that sounds uh, like a great way to tie it up here to you know close out here. The things that you want to accomplish. Yeah. And and I know that uh, for me, uh, I'm a food and beverage photographer and I build a lot of restaurant websites. That's my bread and butter. My podcast really is about my passion. So I'm not as driven. I want to be driven. Like, hey, I want to have a podcast every day. But I find it's just me, my love of talking to people. Right. It's a great vehicle for me just to get out my passion. Yeah. You, your podcast is about talking about how to drive uh, awareness right. to your product and I think that's a good way of doing it. And I also think too it's about hopefully helping people that have no baseline of tech industry knowledge yeah. like I do yeah. and let's say like okay well, why don't you come on this journey with me and let's get to know this industry a little bit better. Yeah. Um, if we do a food podcast that might be a separate thing. Yeah. I think we'll probably focus on tech to start but yeah I think that's really the genesis of what Boy Meets Tech is going to be all about about like alright let's let's start at lap one right. and let's like by the end of this, let's be marathon runners, yeah. um, but together. So I think that's hopefully what we're going to accomplish with that. But yeah, really appreciate um, you know you meeting up with me and giving me this more insight. No, thanks for coming. I'm, sh- yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I'm going to bug you via email on it's more okay. technical questions. You can call me too. Or yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I appreciate it, and uh, I'll definitely look out for more episodes and continue to support Buffster. Yeah, thanks. And if you ever want to do another one, uh, I'm always down to come down and. Yeah, I think what the I, mics and just I'm sure there's more technical questions I need to ask. Please, and get more. Ask. Um, but yeah, I will definitely take you up on that. Awesome. Okay, guys, until next time, we're out. Hey, everybody, we hope you enjoyed this podcast today. As usual, this podcast was made available by WeStock. Download the WeStock app today and start discovering and supporting your favorite food and beverage brands. Thank you, and we'll see you next episode.